Mind Your OT Business podcast, where we empower and equip occupational therapy practitioners and others to be savvy and successful entrepreneurs. I'm your host, Laura Park Figueroa. Ready to take action? Let's jump in. Hey, how are you doing today? So you might be listening to this feeling great because you got a ton of work done today, or you might be feeling like an utter failure because you frivoled your day away. Is that even a word, frivoled? I don't think so. You piddled your day away? Whatever. You feel like you didn't get a lot of stuff done today in your business. For many of us, the overwhelm can be real when we are running businesses. In this episode, you are going to learn ways to outsource the things in your business that do not require your CEO, therapist, business brain so that you can have more time and energy to spend time doing the things that actually are revenue-producing activities in your business that require you, the CEO brain, behind the business to do. So today my guest is Courtney Smith. She is an OT and PT. She has a dual credential turned email marketing copywriter. If you don't know what that is, you will find out in this episode. Those are kind of businessy terms. So don't worry if that's unfamiliar to you. Keep on listening because you are going to get so many good tips for how to get out of overwhelm in this episode. Courtney is the owner of The Office On Call. Like I said, she does email marketing copywriting for people. And then she also is starting a portion of her business where she matches virtual assistants with healthcare entrepreneurs to help the healthcare entrepreneur do that revenue-producing work in their business. So listen in now and soak up all of Courtney's goodness because she has some really great advice for all of us. Thank you so, so much for being here, Courtney, on the Mind Your OT Business podcast. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm really, really happy to talk today. Yeah. So let's start out with talking about your business. So tell us about how you got started. And I'm very interested to know how you saw this was a need in the market, because I love talking to OTs that run non-therapy businesses. So tell us how you got started. I'm so, I'm so keen to hear this. I'm excited. (laughs) Yeah. So like a lot of people, I decided to go digital in 2020, the age of COVID. I took my uh, decreased hours as an opportunity to just make a shift. I was already feeling some healthcare burnout and my husband and I had spent eight months the year prior in Hawaii. And so I was like, oh man, I need, I need something else. I need something that's not going to, you know, confine me to four walls in a clinic. I want to do something where I can work when I want to work. And then when I don't want to work, I can enjoy the outdoors. And so I began to research and virtual assistant kind of came to the forefront and I discovered that I could use it to kind of advocate for the healthcare profession because you know, be it in the the OT and PT groups of other therapists, I realized that people don't know how to run the business. They don't know how to market their business. I'm sure you know that. (laughs) Yes. People are great therapists, but when it comes to business management and marketing, it's like, uh, you know, what do I do? And so I just decided to take that bull by the horns and 
expand my horizon and, and see how I could support other clinicians in that way. And so I just did a bunch of research online. I did a lot of market research and talking mm-hmm. to OTs and PTs out there asking, you know, what type of support do you need? And then I developed a business around it. So tell me, I, I love this because you're so right. I think I hear a lot of people say it. I'm not the first person to say it, but like, we don't learn how to run a business in OT school. And a lot of people say we need more entrepreneurial content in OT school. And I actually might disagree a little bit with that. I think some is good, but I actually think OT school should be for learning how to be a good OT, right? And when you get out, if you want to start a business, you need to do further education or get a coach or someone to help you, a mentor who has run a business who can help you do that. And you're business is kind of meeting that need, you know, like, cause you can be a really good therapist and not be a very good business owner, to be honest. And some of the best therapists, I think probably they like the clinical practice piece. Mm-hmm. So the business stuff tends to go to the wayside. Right. So tell me a little more about what, what your business, what services does your business actually offer? Because I know you're already I think you're already thinking towards kind of growing and scaling it to something even bigger than just you, but tell me where you're at now and kind of what your vision is for how it will grow. Yeah. So when I first started, I did a lot of general admin work. I helped clinicians set up their EHR systems. I did some scheduling, creating their super bills. And so I kind of started more of as as a general admin virtual Mm -hmm. assistant. And then I hired a business coach who helped me then niche down to what I really wanted to do, which was mm-hmm. the writing portion. So I myself have niched down to an email marketing copywriter so that, that I can help these private practice owners and course creators to market themselves because, you know, that's, like we said, one of the pieces that's missing. But with that, I do also have a network of virtual assistants. And my goal then is to have a community where I can match healthcare entrepreneurs with the right mm-hmm. virtual for them because, you know, like you said, therapists are really, really good at being therapists. And I am a big believer that they should spend their time and efforts on that piece, you know, being the right. business owner, being the content creator, being the patient care advocate, and not so much worry about all the little back end tasks. And so yeah. I'm a very big proponent, obviously, of delegating and outsourcing tasks to someone else who can take that time off of your plate. Yes, that is what is so needed for so many business owners. Okay, so email marketing copywriter. That is a very specific niche. I love this because I think a lot of times people will just be like, I'm a copywriter or I'm a email marketer. I don't know. So that's a very specific niche to have for copywriting. So tell people if people aren't familiar, because I don't want to assume that everyone who's listening knows what email marketing is. Can you talk to people a little bit about what that means to be an email marketing copywriter? And we should Mm -hmm. define copywriting too, (laughs) now that I think of it. (laughs) Absolutely. And what brought me to this is, you know, again, networking in those Facebook groups and talking to Mm -hmm. other therapists, I realized that, you know, a question that comes up so often is how do I market myself? I'm a new clinic. How do I get my name out there? And especially Mm -hmm. with a lot of therapists turning to telehealth, you know, they're very new to the online space. and, And that was a question that I saw very often. As well as, you know, one of my driver from being a clinician was my frustration, which we won't go into with, you know, the big insurance conglomerates, you know, 
determining yeah. everything that we do as clinicians. Yes. So it's like, okay, I'm going to help us take our power back and direct market to clients. How can I do that? <laughs> Love it. I and love it. so, and you know, in my research and, and following several business coaches and, and realizing that email marketing was something that they also promoted, I began to look into it and I was like, yes, you know, this is, this is my thing. And so copywriting in itself is, you know, a person who on the back end writes all of the material for you that you get to take credit for, and it makes sales for you and your business. So you yes. can have a website copywriter, a person to write your courses, write your book, write your podcast scripts, you know, right. anyone who on the back end writes material for you that then you present to the world. And so with email marketing, what I do is set up mostly sales funnels, and that is what converts your own website and your social media into clients via Mm -hmm. a system of a specific sequence of emails that is sent to them that then nurtures them. It gives them information, builds a relationship and helps them to make a decide to buy from you versus a lot of the times when people come to your website, actually the stat I think is like 90% of 96% of people aren't ready to book with you once they come to your website or social media. So a lot of the times you lose them, you know, they come, they look around, they look around and then they're gone. And so we develop a system where we get to capture their emails and then keep you front of mind so that then you keep showing up. You are, again, building a relationship with them and then they remember you when they're ready for therapy. Right. Okay. So, yeah, I like to call copywriting writing for a customer. That's like Mm -hmm. in the most basic sense. It's like, I think too many people confuse the terms copyright and copywriting, like the act of writing something. Mm -hmm. So copy writing is writing for a customer. And when you're talking about email marketing, copywriting, you're talking about writing the emails that go out or other things like you mentioned, but for you specifically writing the emails that go out to your customers to build that relationship with them so that you have a better chance of having them buy from you. Exactly. Um, the, the end goal is to make a sale. <laughs> yes, exactly. And I, I think we need we need to think about our marketing more often that way. Like how what is the actual purpose of it? I think sometimes we're throwing spaghetti at a wall and just trying to be all the places and do all the things without really thinking about the intention behind it, which it's it's hard as a business owner, right? We're, we have so many balls we're juggling, which is where Absolutely. you come in and help us. <laughs> Absolutely. And especially right. as healthcare clinicians, because you know, we are taught not to think about the money. It's not about the money. I just want to help people. I'm here because I care. And while that all may be true, if you don't make money, you don't have a business. So it's also very important to make those sales. (laughs) Absolutely. I I heard, I think it, I think it was Donald Miller. I heard recently said, if your business is not profitable, it's not a business. It's a hobby. And I'm like, Hey, that's my line. I'm like, I said that. (laughs) Why are you this multimillionaire business owner stealing my line. Like I, people are going to think I stole it from him. I really, I really said that before I heard him say it, people. Okay. Let it be noted on this podcast. (laughs) That's awesome. Um, I love Donald Miller, by the way. Yeah. Oh, he's great. He's great. I, his, his stuff is so good. It's been so helpful to me and I'm sure a, a bunch of other people. I use his books in my business coaching program as like highly recommended text for people to buy, to go deeper with things like marketing and copywriting and things like that. So Okay. So that is what you're doing now. And you have this dream to kind of build out a community where healthcare entrepreneurs could be matched with VAs who need a job, who can offer the service that the healthcare entrepreneurs need. And what kind of, 
tell us a little bit about where you're at in, in that process and like what that might look like when it actually comes to fruition. Yeah. So right now I do have a Facebook group of wellness and healthcare virtual assistants. And mm-hmm. right now it's more so it's a network. We learn from each other. We share our tools and tips, mm-hmm. but eventually I'd like for the Facebook group to grow into an actual job board where mm-hmm. I actually vet the virtual assistants and I have them fill out an actual application as well as the healthcare entrepreneurs get to come in and post their job descriptions. And so there will be somewhat, I haven't decided exactly what the mm-hmm. vetting process would be, but a place where we you can come in and post your job description and find that just right virtual assistant for you, be it someone who is a graphic designer, it might, they might do things like billing, you know, insurance authorizations mm-hmm. or scheduling for you. There are a lot of tasks that follow fall under the umbrella of virtual assistant that I think a lot of healthcare entrepreneurs don't realize. And so I want to use this group and use my platform as a way to educate the entrepreneurs what services are out there and then provide that link for them. Yes, this is so needed. I mean, the way I even invited you on the podcast, right, was because in the OT Entrepreneurs Facebook group, there was a slew of questions about VAs, like recently. I mean, I don't know when we scheduled this, maybe a month ago we scheduled, but there was a, there were a slew of questions about people saying, I need to hire someone, I haven't had good luck. And it's just so clear that what you're doing in your business is needed in the healthcare industry. Because I think if people knew that they had a resource where they could trust that the person was in the therapy world and knew what to look for in a virtual assistant. It's kind of like you're bridging the gap between them having to make sure the person you're vetting them. Just like what you said. I'm basically saying what you just said, Courtney. Okay. (laughs) Moving on. Okay. (laughs) So I, I want to, I want to talk about what you've kind of already talked about what services VAs might provide. Is there anything we haven't mentioned yet? that you think people should know who may be listening to the podcast, like services that a VA would provide that we haven't mentioned, or have we kind of covered those? We've covered a lot of them. I think virtual assistants just so broad that right. when you are looking for people to hire, consider searching also a virtual assistant because you may look for someone who is a social media manager, but you also need someone to like answer your emails or you know call right. people for scheduling. And so you may not necessarily get someone who does all of those things if you just look for a social media manager. So consider basically any task that a front office manager or someone who is working in your office might do inside of your clinic, it's likely there's likely someone out there mm-hmm. who calls himself a virtual assistant who can do that task. So maybe think outside of the box a little bit. And then when you do connect with a virtual assistant, just never feel bad about asking, you know, I have this other task that I don't like to do, or I'm not good at it, or it takes me too much time and I don't have the focus for it. Just ask. And a lot of the times the virtual assistant is very eager to learn and to Mm -hmm. add that to their repertoire. And so I think just, just think outside of the box, as I said, with all of the tasks that are basically getting in your way as a business owner, the things that you don't want to do or shouldn't do, you could probably hire a VA for. Yeah. I tell people to start very early on when you start a business, keeping track, just keep a list on a Trello board or in your business notebook, whatever, wherever you write things down for your business, keep a list of the things that don't require your therapist's brain, Yes, you know, like, like that you, that you do, but, but someone else could do these. There's a system to it. 
it's a task that has to be done, obviously, but it does not take an OT to fill out a super bill and send that to a family. Exactly. You know, like things like that. So like writing down the things that, and also writing down the things you don't enjoy doing. One, th- one thing that just kind of was like this, I have, oh, this is probably going down a rabbit hole, but I'm going to say it anyway, because that's just how I am. And that's what makes for interesting discussion on a podcast. Um, but I, I just had this like epiphany yesterday that I actually love doing social media marketing for my business. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, wait, you're good, at it, but too. I, oh, well, thank you. But, I, but I, I actually was like, wait, like, I think I've been functioning with this expectation that I shouldn't be spending so much time doing social media for my business. Mm-hmm. And yet I really love doing it. And I'm like, but wait, why shouldn't I be spending time marketing it? Why, why should I hire, especially because, especially my business coaching side is very, my personal brand. Right. So I kind of have to show up there, mm-hmm. but I, I don't know. It just was it was kind of an epiphany for me. And I guess the reason I share it is to say that it's okay as a business owner to do the things you really love to do in your business. If I hated doing it, I might want to outsource I might want to outsource more, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. So it's it's just an interesting thing. Like that is something maybe, although I do feel very strongly that when you have a personal brand, your face should be there and you should be showing up and being authentic with people, right? So maybe that's a little different than a big practice, you know, that's needing to mm-hmm to share content, but yes, I digress. So, okay. We've covered what, what types of tasks a VA could do. Let's talk a little bit about one question that I have before we maybe dive into how to find someone is cost. Like people, I think a lot of times are interested about how much is this going to cost? And I don't think there's much out there on like what the actual cost is. And there's a lot of outsourcing of VA type task on platforms like Fiverr or Upwork, where you can hire someone for $4 an hour in a country that has a much lower cost of living. And I want to hear your thoughts about that. And I have my own opinion, but I'm going to zip my lips. (laughs) I want to hear what you're going to (laughs) say. Sure. So I think the reason that you don't see a lot of posted prices, I also don't post my prices, is that Mm -hmm. a lot of VAs do custom work. It might be you know, highly personalized based on packages, based on the skill that's required, the research and things like that. And I have seen, you know, again, those people on Fiverr, you can very well hire a virtual assistant for three or $4 an hour. But in my opinion, I think you get what you pay for. Um, yes. <laughs> that's what I was going to say. And I was like, you're going to say it. I know it. Okay. Go ahead. Uh, you know, think about the, just the quality of work that you want. And this isn't, anti other nationalities, but as a clinician, you want to be a good communicator. You want to have someone who speaks the language, knows the things that you want to get across, be on the same or similar time zones with you to be able to communicate. Just think about all of the factors that go into that. And so if you want to hire a high quality American virtual assistant, typically you're going to pay bare minimum $15 per hour. And But you have to take into account that these people are independent contractors. And so, you know, they may start out at $15 an hour, but they have their own business cost and and taxes and expenses that that they have to factor in. And so I encourage the VAs that I talk to to start themselves a bit higher because they have to take care of their own marketing costs and their own 
uh, you know, training their own insurance. They are not considered employees of you. So even if you may pay them a higher hourly wage, it's actually going to cost you a bit less because they're not your actual employees. So yeah, I would yeah. say, you know, $15 per hour minimum, but it can very well go anywhere up from that, depending on the skill that's required for the task that you're hiring that person for. Absolutely. And there's, I, I wanted to ask you too, about this idea of like package pricing. I think sometimes when you're the business owner and you're hiring someone based on a package pricing, this is a whole this is a good example, actually, of how as therapists, we need to get away from this idea of one hour equals this much money. Mm-hmm. For your own business, you need to think that way. You need to think towards package prices, pricing, towards leveraged offers, things like that to help your business grow and scale and have multiple revenue sources, all kinds of reasons for that. But also it it flips, the flip side of it is also it helps when you are hiring someone based on package pricing, because it's like a value-based offer, essentially. It's like, how much is it worth for me to have all these tasks off my plate and to really trust someone to help support me running my business? You are giving that person a lot of information and a lot of power per se in your business, because they often see inside the back end of your business in a way that almost no one else does, you know, because they need access to things to do their job. So it's, yeah, I mean, I, I'm so, I mean, I, I wish, I wish we were on video with the podcast for, for people to see like the look I gave when you were like, you get what you pay for. I was like, yes, like my crazy, my crazy happy face, because that is when I said, I have thoughts, but I want to know what you'll say. That was like literally the exact exact thing on my mind. Okay. Let's get into finding the right person for a job. Since we don't have your group quite yet, <laughs> we will in the future. But for right now, when people, cause that's a question, a lot of people in the OT entrepreneurs Facebook group ask is like, I've had trouble or haven't found the right person. Well, why? Like what, what can we do as therapist entrepreneurs to, to help us find the right fit of a person? Yeah, I love that question. And actually, I'm shooting for end of March for that group. So look out for it. I'll definitely send you the link when that's ready. But I think like hiring anyone else, you want to schedule an interview with them. You know, we're all using Zoom these days. So get on a meeting with them, talk face to face, get an idea of their personalities. You want to know what's their communication style. Are they going to be sending you emails at midnight on a Saturday? What type of experience do they have? And just really get an idea of what type of fit they're going to be personality-wise and professionally in your business. I think it is really important to, before you get to that meeting, already have an idea of what types of things you're going to require from that VA. I've gotten on calls before and it's like, you know, we're trying to figure out what types of things I'm going to do for them when the professional doesn't have things figured out themselves. And that can be really frustrating for both ends because then there aren't any boundaries, there aren't any expectations. So have an idea before you talk to that person, what type of tasks that you want to hand off, communicate to them what your style is as far as task handoff. Do you want to micromanage because some people need it and some people like it? Or do you Mm -hmm. want to be hands off? How often do you want to communicate and then go from there? And I think it's important for people to know that you don't necessarily have to go into a two-year contract with someone. I know a lot of people are hesitant because it's like, it's not like you're hiring an employee. You know, again, you can go into this on a one package trial run or 30-day 
contract and see how you mesh and fit with this person. And then if it goes well, then consider a longer term agreement or decide that it's not working for you. But also like any other thing, testimonials, examples of their work, word of mouth and referrals from other people are usually a bit more trusted. But, you know, again, hopefully in March, I'll also have that group up for you where you you know that people are actually vetted. But, you know, do your homework, follow them on social media, go to their website and, you know, really do your own due diligence to learn about them as they will you and then determine the match from there. I think those are really good tips. And it is something that I think that advice will help people be able to take a small step towards hiring someone because I think we do often forget for some reason that this does not have to be a marriage. We are not vowing to be together forever and ever and ever till death do we part. Okay. You can do a trial. That's a very, very good tip. And I did that with my practice manager who is the best. Sorry, guys. I love her. I love her. Thank you, Nicole. I love you. So we did that. When we first started working together, we had kind of a trial period of like three months maybe. And then we regrouped and said it was working. And then every year we kind of talk about what tasks she could take on the next year and talk about adjusting the package rates. I mean, I remember when we went from hourly to like the monthly package, it was a little scary as a business owner to know that you were putting putting out a a significant amount of money every month instead of like an hourly amount based on what work I was giving her. And there was a little bit of an adjustment I had to make too, to know that like, it is okay for me to give her things to do. I felt kind of guilty, you know, once I was paying her on a package rate, because I felt like it was like adding work without adding costs, but we had already talked about her taking things. So there's just, I'm just being honest that there's a there's an adjustment you have to make as a business owner. And, and maybe the point is that you really want someone that you enjoy working with. Mm -hmm. Like it, you have to be able to have the conversations about money and the conversations about, are you overloaded on tasks right now? Or can you take on this thing that just came up that I would like to hand to you? So I love that tip of doing the trial because it worked out great for, for me and my practice. So (laughs) very good advice. Okay. Let's think about, I don't know about this question. We've kind of talked some about this a bit, but I I had written down to ask you about what tips do you have for people who are hesitant to start outsourcing? I think a lot of times we hold on to stuff way too long and we should have given away like a year ago and we would be happier running our businesses. So do you have any tips to help people kind of take the late leap? Let it go. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, let it go. One thing that I had to teach myself, because actually as a VA, at one point I had to hire a VA and I'm very much that person who is like, I can do it. You know, if I have enough time, Mm -hmm. I can do it. I can get it done. I know I can. It'll be done right. AKA my way. (laughs) And I was afraid that, you know, people wouldn't see my vision through or it wouldn't be done correctly or in the timely manner. And so I was really afraid. And then, you know, actually this came from my husband who is not entrepreneurial minded at all, not business minded at all. He's a clinician, he's a PT, but he's happy with that. And he said, well, you know, if you hand this off, even if they do it 50%, right. Or 80%, right. Mm -hmm. You didn't spend that much time on it. And now all you have to do is go back and correct you know, and perfect. And I was like, oh my gosh, that just completely blew my mind that you don't necessarily have to think of a person who is going to 100%, you know, get you to the finish Mm -hmm. line. But if they get you three steps ahead, while you can focus on something else that you're better at in your business, 
then you've won. <laughs> yeah, that's great advice. Such great advice. I love that. I And I've never thought that way. That's a total shift, I think, that even getting the bulk of the work done, but you have to go in and kind of do the final edits. That that actually is a lot of how I work with some of the capstone students or, well, really, we haven't had fieldwork students. My practice isn't really set up in a way that works for that because we have so many part-time therapists and not enough clients that we see for a full-time like fieldwork student, but we've had capstone students. And I, I, that is how I've, how I've worked with them. And it would transfer to a, a VA too, where they, they do it, but I might need to go in and kind of change things a little bit to more, put it on brand with our branding or whatever, you know, just little kind of tweaks at the end of what they do. So that's it. That's great advice. I love that. Yeah. Thank you, Corey. <laughs> it helps you get over the, oh, but I should just keep doing it myself. It's like, well, exactly. even if it gets 50% done without you working on it, then that's good. <laughs> you know? Absolutely. And then yeah. you know what? You take those edits to your VA and then the next time they're going to do it the right yeah. way. <laughs> yeah. What's your, this is, exactly. It's a learning process. Yeah. And you'll get your systems down as you work together too, I think. <laughs> I didn't mean that as a segue, but it kind of is to my question, which I didn't I didn't plan to ask you, but it just came up in my mind. Do you have advice for ways of communicating with a VA? What are your favorite kind of platforms or do you use software? Do you use Google Docs? Like how do you kind of, it probably depends on the person, but do you have any tips in that regard or preferences? Yeah, it does. And I know you are a big Trello person, as am I. <laughs> Trello and email are my go-tos, but I've also had a lot of people who prefer like a Voxer, which is a, a voice oh, yeah. kind of message system that works I really use that well too. For, for short tasks, you know, short conversations and things like that. But I typically, for my copywriting right now, I don't have to communicate very much. I do like a Zoom meeting in, in the beginning and then maybe a question here or there. But if I have ongoing projects, then I do like to house them in Trello or a ClickUp, which is just a little bit more fancy. If you have large mm-hmm. projects, launches, that's a great place to, to house those as well. Yeah. ClickUp has a, Nicole uses ClickUp and she told me probably last year sometime, or maybe gosh, it might've even been 2019. Last year was such a blur, but she said, I think you would really love ClickUp, but it's a learning curve. It's, it's not yeah. as it's not as kind of like plug and play as Trello is. And I have so much information in Trello right now that I'm, I mean, I am like till death do us part with Trello in my opinion. opinion, I am the same. (laughs) Yep. But I have heard, you know, I have heard on other entrepreneurship podcasts. I I think it was Jordan Gill of System Save Me. I I really love her podcast because she's like my, she's obsessed with systems and so am I. (laughs) So it's great. But she, she said something in a podcast a while back about, she's never seen a business scale to like a million and beyond using Trello. Like mm-hmm. ClickUp is more, and I, I share this because I think it might be useful to anyone who's listening to say like, you don't need to start with ClickUp. ClickUp might be, if you're running like a million dollar therapy practice that has multiple locations, multiple people, multiple projects, you might need some sort of project management software like that. But but Trello is really great because it it's fairly simple to learn how to use. We do like all of our onboarding of volunteers through Trello and it's, it's pretty simple to send them a short video and go, okay, here's the basics of how to do this and how to check off when you finish things and put them on this list. And anyway, so yeah, I love Trello. Okay. Let's dive into our, our last three questions, which I ask everyone, what is the biggest fail learn the failure that you've learned from in your business (laughs) 
And what advice do you have for other people to be able to avoid that? We can learn from your mistakes. We kind of touched on it a, a bit, but I got to a point in my business where I thought I could do it all. And I was just so overwhelmed with all the things to do. I had so many ideas. You can see there are tons of gaps that I'm trying to feel, fill and I want my business to grow in so many ways. And I just got to the point where I would add 20 things to my to-do list and check off one. And I was just drowning in, you know, ideas and checklists and all of these things to where basically a business coach fell into my lap. And so, you know, that was my saving grace. I talked to my business coach literally the first day we had just our discovery call and I felt a literal weight lift off my shoulders that I didn't even know was there. (laughs) I had so much clarity in my business. I got so much more organized, just felt at peace just by talking to someone who just helped me focus. You know, she helped me think about what was really important and then had me start delegating some things that, you know, I didn't need to do. And so I think that's the biggest thing is like, no, no one you need help, you know, no one to ask for, for assistance, be that, you know, mindset coaching or actual business coaching or an assistant or whatever it is, just know when it's time to let go of things that are overwhelming you. Yeah, that's, and that's great. It reminds me, I actually, this, this episode will be coming out, I think the week after the episode I did on some questions to ask yourself before you work with a business coach, Mm -hmm. because there's, there's such a, I like how you said, like, whether a mindset coach or someone to help you with the business stuff, there's, there's so many, I think, seasons we go through as entrepreneurs and the same coach might not be the right person for every stage of your business journey. And I, I think it's really important to, I've dipped kind of in and out of coaching as I've run my businesses and every person I've worked with has been so influential and helpful in some way for different reasons. Right. Mm -hmm. So I love that you said that that there might be like different areas you need coaching for. And that is just get help early. That is the thing, right? Like, yeah. And I I mean, I had pushback because I did, I, I kept thinking I, I didn't need a coach yet. You know, I wasn't established enough. I didn't, you know, I'm not ready for it. Let me do X, Y, and Z, and then I'll get a coach. And then she's like, girl, I'm the one that's going to help you do X, Y, and Z. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. That's great. Okay. So along those lines, like ending on the positive things, what is going so well in your business right now? And what would you advise other people to do to have that same kind of success? I think... The biggest thing is what I didn't think would go well for me at all. And what I was uninterested in was networking. Actually, I was one of those people who thought that, oh, I could just run my business from behind the scenes and I don't have to be a front. I don't like marketing. You know, we've all said that at some point. And so, but actually getting myself out there and building connections in social media and all of these places, you know, stepping out of my comfort zone to do podcasts like this, I've actually learned to love it. And I've made so many connections. I'm learning a lot and it's really bringing a lot of success for my business. So tell people where you just mentioned the networking and let's tell people where they can connect with you and find you online and see your work and chat with you. Yeah, absolutely. I love to talk to people directly, as I just said. And so I'm on LinkedIn. You can find me, Courtney Smith, Courtney at theofficeoncall.com. I don't know if I ever mentioned my business name is The Office on Call. (laughs) We forgot to mention this. So I'll mention it in the (laughs) intro before we start this. (laughs) That's funny. You're right. We didn't say that. (laughs) 
All right. So people can email me directly at uh, to Courtney at theofficeoncall.com or on my website to look at my services. That is theofficeoncall.com. And then I'm on Facebook and Instagram at theofficeoncall. Very good branding across all platforms. I yeah. love it. <laughs> I claimed and, those early. Claim them yes, early. <laughs> good for you. Good for you. It's great. And you're in, yeah, I feel like I want to go down some rabbit holes now about like, oh, you're on LinkedIn and you're on Instagram and you're on, yeah, because it's hard to be all the places. I know. I just love, you have sh- also shared helpful things in the OT Entrepreneurs Group and you are pretty active in that. Gr- I mean, you. I see you comment fairly frequently. Like it's definitely a special place to me. I think that space is just so collaborative and helpful. And I know that you've been a huge part of it by other people mentioning your services as well. Not just (laughs) you like saying you can help, but people saying, Hey, reach out to Courtney Smith. So appreciate you and all you're doing. And thank you for doing this podcast and sharing all this super helpful information with people. I think you're really going to relieve the minds of many therapy entrepreneurs. I sure hope so. I sure hope so. Thank you so much for having me. This was a pleasure. It was fun. Okay. Bye, Courtney. Bye. So do you feel hopeful now? That is how I left this interview, feeling so hopeful that there are ways to outsource things. And this is An interesting reflection for me because I think of myself as being pretty good at outsourcing and delegating things. But as your business grows, you're going to get to new levels in your business where you need to, again, outsource more things. I just hit one of those (laughs) points in my business at the end of 2020 and beginning of 2021 here, and I am handing off more of the admin tasks for my business coaching side of my business for this podcast for Mind Your OT Business and my business coaching to my practice manager who is going to be doing some of the admin tasks related to my business coaching program and some of the online programs that we have now in my private practice. So every time you grow your business, you are going to hit new points where you need to outsource. So it's such helpful information that Courtney shared here because it's something that you need to know throughout the life of your business forever. You need to constantly remember that when you are starting to feel super overwhelmed, you need to take a good hard look at what you could outsource and delegate to other people and take the time to set up those systems Wow, that was a perfect segue. I love when it works out like that. I don't script any of this, you guys. I just talk into a microphone. So (laughs) sometimes I have a general outline, but right now I'm just talking about what I learned from Courtney. So it is important when you delegate and when you hire someone that you, you have a system in place, that you've written down a system and that you've established clear standard operating procedures for the things that need to happen in your business. And that is what my Business Bedrocks coaching program is set up to do. As I started business coaching, gosh, probably five years ago now, four years ago, I realized that so many therapy entrepreneurs were coming to me with the same struggles, the same questions. And much of that was related to what I believe are the four foundational areas of any business. They're the bedrocks of any business. And those are mindset, operations, finances, and marketing. Those four areas have to be in place in your business and have to be operating well (laughs) in order for your business to be successful, to be able to scale and grow into the future and be producing profit for you. 
So in that program, a lot of what we do is look at how can we establish systems in all of these areas, even in mindset. There are ways that you can, strategies you can learn to help conquer. Well, I don't like the word conquer, actually. It's more know how to respond to your mindset struggles because those are going to come up throughout your life as an entrepreneur, no matter how big your business or successful your business gets. There are strategies you can use to to manage your mindset issues. There are systems you can put in place to make your operations more smooth in your business. There are very specific ways you can organize your finances so that you can have less overwhelm and fear, honestly, about the finances. I think so many business owners have fear about making payroll or being able to pay themselves or managing the money in their business. And also there are very clear ways that you can set up systematic ways to market in your business. And that is what the whole Business Bedrocks program is intended to do. It is not a start your business program. It is a program for current business owners who really feel like they need to get those established foundations in their business. So if you are interested in doing this group coaching program with me and the fabulous people who are already enrolled, we are starting on February 5th. Now, this is January of 2021 when I'm recording this. I am going to have cart open only for two days right before the program starts. So the cart will be open February 3rd and 4th. However, if you go to businessbetterox.com at any time, really, even if you're listening to this in the future, and you want me to help you know whether the program is right for you, you can always send me a DM on Instagram and let me know. And I will reply back to you and help you decide because it's not right for everyone. But it has been very helpful for the people who have gone through the program in the past. So I am confident that it offers a ton of value for business owners. And I would love you to join us if it's the right fit for you at this point in your business. So DM me on Instagram, or you can email me at lauraparkfig at gmail.com. So take a small step. Take a small step towards delegating, even if that's just writing down what you do or what you eventually want to outsource. That is the first tiny small step you can take towards delegating because that will get you out of overwhelm. And those small steps make great gains over time. So until next time, mind your OT business.